Welcome to the A-Dub Club, a podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, technology, pop culture, the internet, and general nerdery. There are three things that are important to know. One, we occasionally use swear words, but try to stay in the range of PG-13, or at least the kind of R that cool parents are fine with. Two, we may talk spoilers. In this particular episode, we discuss, once again, how we're dealing with a global coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Though, as a note, we did actually record this just over a month ago. I don't think anything has aged too badly, but just be warned. And finally, three, most importantly... For a period of time in the early 1900s, there was a religious cult that followed the teachings of Leo Tolstoy, called, appropriately, the Tolstoyans. With that out of the way, welcome to the clubhouse. We have snacks. Welcome to the A-Dub Club. My name is Andrew Whipple. I'm Alex Wade. And I think we're almost exactly six months to the date from the episode that's the antecedent to the episode that we're going to talk about uh today really? which is 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 very i think so I, I i listened to it earlier and i think i said something about like march 23rd or 24th or whatever that sounds but, about right but wow. yeah we are here we are in september 24th in yeah. the overlord 2020 how are you doing alex Wayne? i'm i'm doing um i'm doing all right i'm alive and Seattle was on fire a bit, not on fire, but covered in smoke last week. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. How was that? It was weird as hell because it was like, it looked like it was just foggy, uh, which is very normal for Seattle. And uh, when you stepped outside, it was like warm and smelled of smoke. But gosh. Yeah, my, my grandparents were down, um, so they live in Salem, but then also have a beach house on the Oregon coast, and so they were, the fires were right between those two places, so they were out on the Oregon coast, and sort wow. of ready to evacuate at a moment's notice, thankfully didn't have to, though they did lose power for a good chunk of, of, the, the, of the week, but everyone was okay, the houses are fine, um, et cetera, et cetera, but still, it's a, oh boy, climate catastrophe. <laughs> good it's uh year 2020 it's great i love it yeah 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 it's what you want to see i realize now that i kind of inadvertently actually did ask the question uh, oh yeah yes they are almost six months to the day today we released an episode by the name of armchair epidemiologist i believe yes. the question for that was hey how are you doing given that a global coronavirus pandemic was starting to set in and here we are six months later <laughs> Still very much in the middle of a global coronavirus pandemic, along with several other uh, additional crises interlocking at various points in time. Um, yeah, so great. we thought now is a pretty good opportunity to once more ask that fateful question. How, How are you doing? doing? <laughs> it's good. It's just a nice, nice, simple, like, you know, basic thing. Instead of our, you know, time, what's time travel or crazy stuff? It's just, it's just nice and simple. I like it. Exactly, exactly. We'll be our little time capsule of, of what life was like in this hellscape. Um, that was the big thing that I was shocked of about re-listening. So I did re-listen to that old episode because, duh, yeah. I'm me. Have you ever listened to any other episode <laughs> of our podcast? Of course, that's what I was going to do. Um, but uh, the thing that was most surprising about that episode was we recorded it like one week into lockdown. It was the oh, very God. beginning. I was listening to us talk about it, and it's like, oh, yeah, we went to all remote beginning of this week or oh yeah. yeah my my dad was just in town and now things are finally are starting to close down and this is weird and i was like 
the, 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 just the way that we were talking about everything, despite it being with it only being one week into this, now it being me listening to it six months into this was like, oh my god, you, you sweet naive children, what oh. are you talking about? God, I gotta go listen to that episode. I should have. Oh well. <laughs> okay, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's our dynamic. Exactly. I, I, I do put in the work sometimes. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly exactly but but yeah no for real how are you doing how are you doing six months in yeah i'm i'm doing i'm doing good i think like relatively nice. so like I, I moved home you know back to live with my parents for a bit uh after i got laid off from my job um which i know those those things sound usually like they're bad things right but they aren't i was i was glad to be laid off because i didn't want to work at the company anymore anyway and i wanted to be on unemployment and like being home during Seattle during the summertime is amazing and beautiful. So like that's, this has been like a nice kind of like pseudo, a little bit of a vacation kind of, but also like a time for me to really, you know, collect myself and I don't know, just, just really put my efforts towards what I want to do in life. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I can see that. What, what are those things that you yeah. are putting um, your efforts so, towards? I mean, so I've, I've definitely started like, I don't know, just building up a lot of better habits than I used to have before. Like I, I work out every day um, or al- almost every day, depending on if I drank too much last night or not. Spoilers, last night I did. Uh, it's fine. It's whatever. Um, <laughs> but working out, um, I've been acting a lot and going on a lot more auditions, which I know sounds crazy, but, you know, Zoom and stuff like that. And then I've also been trying to push towards, you know, I mean, getting a new job obviously is is something that. You know, I've been trying to do, um, I'm actually, next week, I'm heading to New York to uh, film a short student film. Ooh la la, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited. Which, in terms of the pandemic, I feel like society has, like, reopened a little bit. And, like, Hmm. there is room to do some things and to do some different things. And I have a lot of friends and such that are still very much uh, adamant about, I don't know how else to say this, but like the liberal shaming of people mm. who are doing anything, anything at all, and like uh, breaking any kind of lockdown or quarantine. And like me, I'm obviously I'm going to be wearing masks. I'm um, I'm actually getting tested like a day or two before I head over. I'm not going to be you know seeing a whole ton of people, not going to parties or anything, but I am going to be like staying with someone and a couple of different people and. I am going to be interacting, you know, and it's, it's hard for me to like, like I, I have this barrage of like liberal media and liberal friends posting on Instagram and stuff that are like, stay inside. Like we're still, there's still a horrible global pandemic going on that everyone needs to do 110% of what they can to disinfect everything you can. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I'm trying to like, like my feelings about that are like, I think society is reopening a little bit and like, I don't feel like I should feel guilty about this, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But I do. And I know coming, I know talking to you about this also, like you, I don't think you would shame people or me, but I know that you wouldn't go out and, you know, travel to New York and you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't do this. Right. Uh, Yeah. Almost certainly not. Uh, (laughs) But it, it is, no, it is interesting though, that like, 
this is, I guess, yeah, where I sort of pat myself on the back. On I get to sort of, I get to sort of play both roles, where I get to be like, I get the good person who's like, oh, and I, I'm not going out and and doing quote unquote dangerous COVIDy things, but also I get to be the good person who says, but I'm not going to shame anyone for their own personal choices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on the one hand, yeah, there's a little bit of that facetious virtue signaling part of it. On the other, though, I think like that does get at a thing that has really been reinforced over the course of among many things that have been reinforced over the course of this uniquely traumatizing time um but that especially the u.s especially right now it's that like we are so addicted to the idea of individualism and that what are really collective problems putting the responsibility for them on the individual and and i i mean i see that in exactly that like covid shaming where it's some of it is the fact that like we have been so unbelievably to a degree that i think would have shocked even us back in the in in march uh failed by our administration in terms of how we actually how not not even how we handle a pandemic the fact that we just haven't there just is not a federal plan for dealing with this the federal plan for dealing with this is fingers crossed there will be a vaccine in time for trump to be able to talk about it before the election like literally that is the only plan at this point in time (laughs) In the absence of all of that, we have really, really leaned into this idea that it's like, it's all about the individual choices. It's all about like, are you wearing a mask? If you're not wearing a mask, you're selfish. Are you going outside? If you're not going outside, if you're going outside, you're selfish in a way that like, yes, on the one hand, obviously collective things are made out of individual choices. It's not strictly speaking wrong. At the same time, individual decisions are more or less risky, but like, that's not going to be the make or break thing when what it should be is a coordinated society-wide federal response. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm very, very frustrated and very sure. annoyed <laughs> at the American cult of individualism and how that seems to fuck us over in specific dealing with any sort of collective threat puts us in a state of paralysis and yelling. Uh, yeah. at each other. <laughs> it's very frustrating. And like, I, I, I agree with you in the sense, like I'm, I'm very much for less and more collective group help and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean I haven't internalized this, like, need to appease and to be a good individual and such like that it's like me going right now like next week to go to new york i'm i'm like still like i I don't know who i want i just i literally just texted someone being like hey i haven't seen you in forever i haven't talked to you or they they actually texted me first and i responded saying hey i'm gonna be in new york um and like one of the things that i think has kind of been inceptioned into my mind is they haven't responded in like a day and I'm like, ah, mm. part of me is like concerned, like, oh shit, did I tell the wrong person that I'm traveling and, you know, they are going to think negatively of me because, Interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, ah, damn it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, I will say to echo a, a, a point that I was making in March um, and sort of similar to the like we're also concerned about individualism and concerned about shaming people for individual decisions when really it's about collective things. At the same time, I'm here kind of shaming people for their individual decision to try and wrest some sort of control out of an uncontrollable situation. And it's just that I don't like the way they're doing it, namely shaming people for individual choices um, when it's really a collective failure. So there is a bit of pot calling the kettle black that I'm like, I'm kind of doing a version of the same thing. The difference is I think I'm more right than they are so that makes me feel better about doing it yeah. i'm sure they feel the same way so i don't know it's, i mean it's, everyone is stressed and screaming at each other constantly for for me it's like i i was totally on board with that 
like in March and April and like May mm-hmm. when like we were in lockdown and like the country was shut down a hundred percent basically right and like I still am kind of on board with shaming like people going to beaches in Florida in Miami and like mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. house parties and in colleges and stuff like that you know I'm sure. I'm not maybe shaming isn't the right word but like I don't know. Yeah, it 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 it, it is right. messy, and it's all it's 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 definitely the the case that yeah, there's straw men everywhere that you can use to to to, to yeah. point that. Uh, so it's it's yeah, it's a bad time. A lot of people yeah. react to bad times by trying to get whatever sense of control they can. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely like I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's bad, but it's, sometimes it's you just got to live with weird and bad things. Actually, an- another thing though that was interesting, similar to the oh, we're so addicted to individualism. I think similarly, and this might just be a human nature thing, not necessarily an American thing, that we're also very, very bad at thinking of things as like a risk continuum. We're kind of addicted to yeah. black and white answers or or easy rule sets and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's easier to say, always wear a mask 100% of the time. And if you ever don't wear a mask, then that's bad. Then it is to say like, well, realistically, yeah, you should absolutely probably wear a mask if you're indoors in a crowded space. It's probably fine if you're just walking on a trail to not wear a mask or if you're just walking around your neighborhood, maybe to not wear a mask and then put it on and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's it's been a tough decision. It's been a tough, I don't know, trying to, I'm I'm still trying to figure out like which of my friends I do and do not want to tell. And like, there's, there's, no way in hell I am posting about this on Instagram. Like, oh yeah, like God no. Honestly, to, even to, to, to which then if I was the annoying shamey friend, and I say this because I literally saw someone post this. Um, I hope it's not a friend of mine, and so I'm subtweeting like a celebrity, not subtweeting a friend. But I can't yeah. even remember at this point. Someone saying that like if you feel uncomfortable posting about the you went out to dinner or you went to go see a friend uh, because you're worried about getting shamed on, on Instagram, then that means that you know that what you're doing something is wrong and you, you feel fuck guilty that. about having it. I was like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> like, that's so BS. No, it's because like, I disagree. Like it's, it's, and it's also going back to your like continuum thing, you know? And it's like, I yeah. have yeah. conflicted feelings about this. It's not that I know a hundred percent, that I'm doing the worst thing I could possibly do. It's like I'm, yeah, I'm mixed about it. It's, yeah, um, I'm also blatantly cribbing this just from an episode of a podcast that I listened to. I think it was the Ezra Klein show, um, yeah. but it was also talking about, but that in that world of the risk continuum, the part of the risk is like, okay, what is the potential for harm? The other part of the risk, though, is like, what is the benefit that you're getting out of things? And yeah in particularly like american society it's really hard when the benefit to to like feel good or okay when the benefit is something that's like about your own pleasure if like the benefit is i get to see a friend of mine or i get to see my grandkids or i get to go outside and enjoy the outdoors it's like the uh, the default thing which i fall into all the time as well is saying that like oh well is it really worth, are you saying it's worth potentially dying to be able to see your friend? And it's like, (laughs) one, that might be an overreaction, but also the answer might be yes. Like you're potentially dying every time you go into a car. Um, It's like, it it, it is about risk. And like, sometimes the answer is, yeah, something that seems bringing yourself pleasure might actually be worth that to that degree. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's one of the biggest memes that I see or I don't know, like shame memes. It's, it's of like, 
you you're going to get your bottomless mimosas and you might be killing your server and i'm yeah. like okay like come on now that's not like sure you could possibly be technically giving your your server coronavirus that is a possibility but come on now like be realistic a little bit more please but although honestly like earlier in the pandemic i was totally on board with that like i was yeah. totally like society shut down and what are you doing going down to vacation in florida right now like you to- totally like but i don't know and, well and I, and I think two parts of that two parts of that though is that one again it was in our episode we none like what we were talking about as what we thought was the we are being way more pessimistic than everybody else case is us saying you know i don't know it's like everyone says it's going to be over soon but i think it might last until maybe may or june and like that's what what we were saying so one i think we all expected it to be locked down for two weeks maybe locked down for a month maybe if we're crazy unlucky locked down for two months and in that world, it's like, yeah, okay, fuck it. You can suck it up and take two months of, of yeah. not seeing someone um, in a way that you can't do for like six months of not seeing people or more realistically now, like we're going to be in this probably at least until like Q1, Q2 of next year. And so like yeah. to say, spend a, go a year without seeing family, without seeing friends is very different than saying go two weeks without it. And also I think we had a different sense, especially in the beginning when it was a lot scarier, when deaths were really piling up, when it was really yeah. hitting New York really hard, more of a sense of like it, 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 the danger seemed higher than it does right now, both because I think we've gotten a better handle of it. More young people are getting sick instead of old people. So fewer people are dying. But also we just know it a little bit better. So we have a better sense of like, rather than anything could possibly be dangerous, rather than make sure you bleach your groceries because, you know, if you touch anything, it'll kill you. We're more realistic about like, okay, you're probably going to be fine as long as you're wearing a mask. It's better as long as you're outdoors, things like that. So I think has also chilled people out, understandably, a little bit. Yeah, we fucking thought it was going to be over by May. (laughs) That's crazy. Oh, how young and naive we were i don't know right i know right uh i haven't said how i'm doing um yeah, i'm sure. also doing i'm also doing good uh, it's a weird thing where it's like oh again listening back to that previous episode on the one hand it's like on the one hand things are so much worse than they were then in that like we're six months into it and we're clearly going to be in this for six months more to some degree or another and also all of the other compounding chaotic nightmares have happened on top of that uh, in the last six months but at yeah. the same time i'm like I'm doing much, much, I would not have ever guessed I would have been able to do, like, handle six months of, especially in my case, like, I live alone. Um, I've seen my family a couple times when they've come out to visit. I've seen friends a few times, especially in the last couple months, but mostly staying at home, occasionally Zooming, working, uh, doing this podcast, stuff like that. It's like, I've been able to handle this way fucking better than I thought I would have. It's not the ideal, but sure. it's a workable, a workable equilibrium yeah i i definitely i'm i mean my my quarantine has has quarantine my pandemic times have been split into like two very specific like i had i had quarantine during while i was still living in new york and that was just me alone and then now i have quarantine like in seattle with with my parents and and, you know in in my house and like completely different zones for me like yeah i've i i feel like Ever since I like lost my job and moved back here, I've kind of had this like I don't know cocoon. I feel, I feel like I've been like a cocoon, you know, trying to okay. metastasize. And I don't know if that's what that word means, but you know, 
preparing myself to like burst back out. And like right now, my plans are to um, well, first off, when I go and visit New York, I'm gonna kind of try and get a feel of how I um, feel about New York. And then my my hope is that you know I'll still like it and want to move back and be there right like during you know pandemic times. Um, yeah. And then get a job and move back by like November if if like I work things out you know job wise fingers crossed. But that's been really nice for me. It's like this this time home has definitely like allowed me to reanalyze and reconfigure my life towards like okay what am I doing how can I stop just like skating by on life and just kind of like going on autopilot and, and whatever the momentum was pushing me, how can I like push in a direction that I want to be going, you know? God, I so unbelievably identify with that feeling. Yeah. Maybe here's an interesting way to phrase it. It sounds like for you, it's sort of the, like the break from the normalcy and being in this new in or like in a different sort of environment and a different set of concerns has helped like focus in on like, okay, now what do I want to do next? How do I want to proceed from this moment? Yeah. Um, I've kind of felt the same thing, but from the sameness of the last six months of like most days have the same routine of mostly staying inside my apartment, except to go to the grocery <laughs> store or go for a walk or occasionally see someone and you know, log on to work at around the same time most mornings and have a lot of the same standing meetings and things like that. And sure. that's what's sort of gotten me that like uh, th that plus just other general timing of, of thinking like this really is the feels like it should be the year where do I want to stay in Chicago? If I do want to stay in Chicago, yeah. both you know, privileged financial reasons like that this probably would then be the year or next year would be the year to like buy a condo or something like that oh, instead of to keep renting but if i do buy a condo then that really means that yes i'm committing to staying for at least two or three years versus then do i want to move somewhere else if i do want to move somewhere else do i want to move to los angeles or would i rather move to portland or would i maybe rather move back home to seattle if i do move do I stay with my current job given that we'll be working remotely into next year at the very least? Yeah. And probably I could, especially being relatively senior and being given various monetary assurances that they in fact do want <laughs> me still employed within by a year from now. I'm sure I could be able to say that like, yeah, I'm going to work permanently remotely. It worked for the last year. Why not? Or do I take that as the opportunity to say like, nope, I fully cut ship. Or do I stay in Chicago and then do I switch my job? So like job and where do I live are two very big things that's like I could make any decision, but it feels like this is the year that I have to make some kind of decision because sure. specifically working at my current job and renting in Chicago doesn't seem like a good idea long term. Yeah. And I yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so in that same I, I feel like for me what what my what my story has always been is like, okay, so I want to be an actor and support myself through software engineering. And what has basically ended up happening is like, I've gotten a full-time job and like, I take a lot of acting classes and go on the occasional audition. And you know, I, I put in like 60, 70 hours a week split between acting and uh, software engineering, but I'm still don't feel like I'm doing acting a hundred percent, you know? And yeah. my story has always been like these golden handcuffs. And this time right now, has been me like figuring out how exactly like I always say my dream is to start my own business and do personal websites and then like like right now I'm trying to figure out well maybe not maybe I can just get like a a part-time job or I can go full-time with a more flexible work schedule or something else you know mm -hmm. um like 
this has been the time when I'm I've been actually finally trying to set up my software engineering career so it is intentionally accommodating of my dreams and goals of being an actor. That's been awesome. And like That's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. I, I yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm definitely finding I mean I I I guess I always knew this was the case for me, but this is sort of re reaffirming the fact that like I'm very good at making poten- even potentially bold decisions when a decision has to be made. And I'm very bad at making any decision away from the status quo when I don't have to make a decision at all. So it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, exactly. I'm totally willing to go, you know, oh, well, I have to pick a high school. I'll go to the high school that none of my friends go to. I have to pick a college. I'll go out of state to a place where, you know, I don't know anyone. I'll move to another city um, for this job, things like that. Sure. But when it's like, okay, you could either keep doing everything you're doing exactly the same or something else is those are the moments where it's like, uh, oh, even, even, even stuff like when I move, like the biggest sort of move on my side was moving out of project management into product management, which was about two years ago. Even that was definitely like, though I had put in the work to let people know I was interested in it, that happened because my hiring man, my soon to be hiring manager reached out to me and it's like, we have a role open. I've heard you're interested you want to chat about it Uh, and so like that was still sort of a like i didn't have to make a decision but it was there to jump at so i don't know yeah yeah. and i guess or i could just stay quarantined in my house for the next six months and 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 do nothing i mean yeah man honestly i think you should just quit your job and like take some time off man yeah, yeah. I do need to do the the take my time off part regardless because I, I took a couple extra days off around Labor Day and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I haven't taken time off at all this summer because all the vacations I was planning on doing, guess what? There's a coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. No uh, Disneyland trips in 2020, sadly. It's, it's, I'm, I'm like pleasantly surprised with how good I'm doing right now, just in yeah. life and like, which is, it's, nice. I mean, nice. it feels kind of bad in the sense of like, I have this when, you know, there is so much shit going down, but fuck it. Yeah, but also like, what what is that doing anybody? To, yeah. to <laughs> like to okay, I mean, what what does help is to acknowledge the fact that's the case and then don't be a shitty person because yeah. of it. But like, it doesn't do any good to beat yourself up over the fact that yeah. you have it better than other people. But yeah, I say that also to convince myself that that is true because I beat myself up over <laughs> my privilege all the time. Um, Hashtag white guilt. Oh, you know it. Um, let's see. What else? What else? The Oh, so more interesting things that um, have happened to me over the course of the last six months or have had some impact. Interestingly, sure. a lot of these are things that have to do with media because that's what I spent a lot of my time doing is in the, even in the before times of consuming media. But especially now a thing that i talked about in the old episode which i was i was gonna see if i was the way to talk about this in this anyway because it was a big deal but then i found out i mentioned it in the last episode so now it can be a callback um i talked about the bon appetit youtube channel which was like the thing that was saying earlier at the beginning and then that fucking blew up because it turns out everyone's racist yeah that's fun (laughs) that was wild and it's it is weird one i think it was like a big thing that i consumed hours upon hours of that content every every week is now just gone. So that's weird. What's been strange is 
this seems really similar to a similar thing that happened like two or three years ago with Nick Robinson was a guy who did a lot of like stuff for Polygon, uh, the video game website, yeah. and did a lot of stuff for the McElroys, and then got outed as being an extreme creep, and then got fired, quit. I don't remember what happened, yeah. but like a whole big blow up there. And it, it wasn't necessarily explicitly because of him, but I noticed I sort of started to drift away from like, oh, I wasn't consuming as much Polygon stuff, especially because a lot of my favorite stuff was the stuff that like him and Griffin McElroy did together or what yeah. have you. And then that slowly sort of pulled me away from like video games media in general to the okay. point where like that really did what it was one of the main sort of genres of things I would consume on YouTube or podcasts or blogs or whatever. Then it kind of disappeared and died away. And even the non-Polygon places, I eventually like stopped really following or I got way behind on. Same exact thing has sort of happened with food media post Bon Appetit. <laughs> that like that was really my connection. And that was the thing that got me back into like, I'm interested in learning. Like I loved Food Network when I was a kid, but Bon Appetit and the YouTube channel is what got me into cooking again, like two, three years ago and into food yeah. media in general. And then since then I found that like, you know, even some uh, like also watch some YouTube videos, but like I not as many from other channels and things like that. I don't read the magazine anymore. And even like I'm not cooking as much as I was back then or like not cooking as interesting, elaborate things as I was back then. Oh no. Which was a weird thing to be like, huh, how much of how much of my this pastime that I was doing was directly related to enjoyment of a particular type of content. And it seems yeah. like the answer was surprisingly a lot more than I thought. And that's weird now. That's yeah, strange. And I I feel similarly towards politics in a way. Like I Mm. like I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, and I would listen to Daily by New York Times. I'd listen to a lot of the Pod Save America crew, you know, doing their politics stuff. Um, I listened to Five Thirty Eight Politics podcast, all these different politics podcasts, and I would talk about it a lot on like these two separate political channels that I'm a part of. And like now I don't, I, I, I'm just not as involved in those channels anymore. Like I do occasionally pop in, like I'm still super involved with like, I don't know, Black Lives Matter topics and Brenna Taylor and et cetera, et cetera. Not to sound so flippant about all that stuff, but, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that yeah, those are the only yeah. conversations that I have in that channel anymore. And that's, you know, that's honestly that's removed a lot of stress from my life, which is great. Um, yeah, but I'm also like less informed, which is you know, it is what it is. But I yeah. can see that. I can see that. I'm also realizing now. I'm kind of putting the timelines in two and two together. That while I had been interested in it before, uh, right around the time when hours and hours of Bon Appetit content disappeared from the YouTube feed. That was about the time I started to get a lot more into back into woodworking YouTube and about the time that I started to get more into being interested in doing woodworking. And so it might just be the ho- the cooking hobby that was YouTube influenced has now become a woodworking hobby that is YouTube influenced. And that's I just cool. like transferred one to the other, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, that's something I got to learn I, or do in general. I mean, yes, specifically to both woodworking and cooking, but also like to hobbies that are productive and enjoyable mm-hmm. for the sake of that versus like like acting is like a passion like that's beyond a hobby for me you know and it's like something that i do enjoy a lot but it also has a lot of work associated with it versus like if i'm just goofing around making something with acting you know 
Yeah, you yeah. need to find a, a hobby that is like not video games. It just feels like a waste of time. That feels like I can progress into something. You know. Yeah, I 100% agree. And like literally, that was a thing I was thinking about with woodworking. But now I realize cooking as well. That it's it's a creative hobby in a way, not in a way. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's but differently that like th- this whole pandemic a huge downside to it is I've had a complete creative block in terms of any sort of attempt to do any writing, any music. And it like, it's just like, I cannot bring myself to even like, even if I tell myself like, Oh, I should write a thing. It's like, when I get to the blank page, I just like freeze up and stop and then go off and do something else instead in a way that is not the case for cooking or for woodworking where it's like the, the, the something about the types of problems or the way it engages my brain bypasses that creative block part of things for some reason that I, 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 I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that it's something inherent to these types of hobbies are like fundamentally different and engage in different parts of the brain. Or if it's that these are both new to me as someone who's historically like my creative outlets and the way that I think of myself is through the lens of writing and music that now this is just a new thing. And so I don't bring the baggage that I bring from previous other kinds of art forms, but I don't know. But yeah, the fact that like, if you told me in college in a couple of years, you're going to be having a six month quarantine, six months to a year long quarantine. And you know how many like scripts you're going to write? Not even one word of any of them. <laughs> um, I would, I would college me would have been surprised and dismayed in my, in my playwriting you- class. Do you feel, uh, I don't know, guilty about that? Like, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's for I sure. mean, yeah. That, that's something that I've, I've like, I've been wanting to create content. I made a, a short video earlier in, in quarantine, um, back in New York. That was sad and. Oh yeah. And it was good. It was, I to make. it was yeah. It was I, I I have you know obviously some, some regrets because you always you know nothing's ever finished and you're always <laughs> sure upset with your work is the nature of creation unfortunately um but something i've wanted to get into is like tiktok and mm. like just doing anything on tiktok doing random silly little things not like following any trends but just just the concept of making short bitwise videos you know not necessarily enmeshing myself and meshing my and meshing not necessarily engrossing myself in the culture of the social media aspect of what TikTok is and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Just like small creative stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Do it fast. You don't want to get banned. Yeah. What else? What are the other, um, there was what other big things happened? I was talking with my therapist about that I forgot. Ooh, okay. While you think of the big, important um, life lesson that you've learned through your therapy, I'll talk about the other big, most important thing that happened to me over the course of this quarantine. It's that I fucking loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can go listen to our episode about that. But I spent a full two months of quarantine doing nothing but working and watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, And I don't regret it for a second. Even the bad episodes in seasons four and beyond. I, I have stopped watching it. I'm sad to say. Oh, like, oh, oh. it just, it just felt like work and like, okay, I don't know. Like there was something about it that just didn't, I don't know. I just, I just stopped vibing with it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's show. fair. That's fair. Like, I don't know. I was just watching it to like say that I've watched it, you know? Sure. Sure. And when you're in that zone, 
that's never a fun zone to no. or well, I was about to say that's never a fun zone. It can be a fun zone if you are a broken person like me who likes the idea of challenges <laughs> and list and completionism. Um, sure. In which case, sometimes it is very fun to like, I'm going to watch everything for the sake of being able to check a thing off a box. But by and large, and for people whose brains are not broken, that you want to watch a thing because you want to watch a thing, not because you want to be able to say you watched a thing. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll ever visit it again someday but i think for now i've i've officially thrown in the towel on it which is also oh, something i did okay. on on lord of the rings i've never read the fellowship of the ring and Interesting. I have you read the other two then i what no have you uh, I, no i've 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 read oh i've only read the hobbit oh okay got it got it, got it. i when you the way you phrased it of like i've never read the fellowship of the ring i was like so you've read the two oh, no, towers no, no. and return of the king uh, but no, 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 okay no. that makes more sense that makes more sense yeah i've read the hobbit and then i i we my family loves lord of the rings we watch it every christmas basically and then just randomly other times of the year yeah. love it fantastic started reading it i got like a hundred pages in and it just it was slow and a hundred pages of 300 page book and frodo was still in the shire i'm like what the hell man mm. like but I don't know. Yeah. God, like, I haven't read those since middle school, probably. I, I've only read them once. Yeah. But um, but I'm I'm afraid of like there there is this like sect of things that I want to read because they're like good classic art and yeah. uh, they're in my head as like I'm I'm going to do this and this is like a productive option for me and I'm I'm afraid of like reading these things now because I'll get this like in my head thing about it like frankenstein i've never read frankenstein oh, frankenstein rules. on the list and i have it in my room and i'm afraid to start it because if i start it then i'm afraid it's going to start feeling like work and yeah like frankenstein starts weird that 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 might be one i think once you get past the framing device it sure. will probably click but like that is one i remember reading because i read it um in some class in high school that like the first couple chapters, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why are they on a boat in Ant in the Arctic? And who is this character whose name is not Frankenstein or any other name that I recognize? Uh, basically, the whole story is told by this person gotcha. on on a boat in the Arctic. And then it gets into the real story. But I think I'm going to try to listen to it on tape or on That'd be good. audio. I remember for that class, um, I think, who was in my group? It was me, Carter... Bryn, maybe, was the other person. We read Frankenstein and we read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde um, oh. were what our group picked uh, because they're both relatively short. But Dr. Jekyll and Hyde is very short. It's 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 novella length and it's very fun. I remember liking it a lot. Sorry, which one is this? Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Gotcha. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll, I'll give that one a try. I hope. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling that way. Well, one, I had started reading War and Peace before the... Um, pandemic and i actually really liked it anna karenina is like one of my favorite books of all time and tolstoy's he, he he's so much sillier than you expect and then i remembered him being or, or i'd forgotten that he was he is that silly and loves to write about like rich people behaving badly that is like what most of his stories are about but i was mostly reading it on the on like my phone um on the bus to and from work and then fully stopped since quarantine started and then keep telling myself yeah i'll get back into it at some point and then i never do but it was good. I got about a quarter of the way through, I think. But at, at some point, I'll need to relook up a 
the family tree on Wikipedia and remind myself who any of these characters are. <laughs> I'm trying to slaw. I'm like, it's been a year plus long project of trying to watch all the James Bond movies in order. Oof. And I, I've finally made it to the Pierce Brosnan movies. Okay. Um, and so uh, the, the real challenge has been, I love the Daniel Craig movies. And whenever I see them yeah. on Netflix, I'm like, no, I can't watch them yet. And so it's been like a year of me being like, I can't watch Casino Royale yet because I have to get through all these shitty movies in the middle. Oh, but that's a good I'm one. getting there. I'm getting there. I, especially I, my goal was to watch it before the new bond movie came out. And then I was really worried. It's like, Oh, I'm totally not gonna be able to do it. And then <laughs> it got pushed back like three times since then. And so I, I think I'll be able to make it, especially given I'll probably burn through the Daniel Craig movies in like a weekend. Cause I actually like them, but yeah. Oh well. Okay. Uh, is there any way we can tie back? I don't know how much of this you're just going to, Hmm, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I here. Oh, another, maybe another thing to cut out, but I think that is interesting is because I have, I've also listened back to a handful of our other episodes over the last couple of months, just because I've been curious about it. I am liking our podcast a lot more than like, I feel like it's one, it's gotten better. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I think the same thing that like we've talked about after the recordings end of like, the editing has been so much easier because I don't have to edit as much because we're doing, we do a much better job of just saying a podcast's worth of stuff yeah. um, in a, you know, mostly it's just a lot of fine tuning, but like, I don't need to cut nearly as much stuff. I've also gotten better at doing editing and doing post-production than especially like as much as I love our first episode, the sound is not great necessarily. Um, yeah. I almost wish I could go remix and re-edit it. Maybe I will at some point, but whatever. But the other thing is, I think this is a thing on on myself, especially in the way that I edited the earlier episodes. I was really trying to make this more of a show that like feels like the kind of show that people could listen to, where it's like, let's not be more than half an hour. Let's try to keep things relatively tight with a couple jokes here and there, but we'll mostly just stick to the good stuff. And the episodes have morphed into being much more like, we're going to fucking talk for an hour and I'll clean it up to make it sound good. But like, yeah. it's not going to, no pretensions of trying to make it into like, reply all or whatever and i realized that like oh yeah this makes sense because i only listen to really long podcasts i don't listen to short podcasts because uh, <laughs> i just don't like them very much and so now the show has become more of the kind of show i actually would like to listen to that's um, good <laughs> which has been fun um a fun little pandemic discovery uh, yeah. related to all the stuff that is presumably going to get cut out of this episode unless i don't because i like it to be long sure uh, discovering that our podcast is good is always nice all right i know right Ooh, interesting thing. We've talked a lot about like what the fuck's happened in the last six months of our hellscape. What do you think? What, what's what's the future hold in store for us, Alex Wade? Yeah, I I mean for me, I mentioned it before. I hope to be moving back to New York. I want to give New York at least one more year yeah. because I feel like first off, I left on uncertain terms and like not under my own not willpower, but like not. It, it was not my volition to go, and, and it was fantastic that you know, I'm living here in Seattle for a bit, but I want to give New York another try for at least another year just to see how I feel about it, because I've, I've also been in a similar boat that you have maybe considering moving to L.A. or Boston or somewhere else. Those are just my like fantasy random thought ideas. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hope to move back, and I think I want to try Brooklyn for a bit, and yeah, get a job. That's where I feel like my next six months are. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Cause I mean, I, I, well, one, I think that because it's always two things with me, the 
obviously we're still going to be in a fucking pandemic for the next six months at the very least and that's going to be bad and and you know the, the there is the possibility for basically nothing to change is one thing that could end up happening is that yep still working the same company still mostly stay at home still in the same apartment still in chicago still quarantined with the open question that has not yet been broached about what our, is our family going to do about the holidays, especially Ooh. given that I am the most COVID scaredy cat out of everyone and also the person with the cat that my dad is allergic to. So uh, I don't know. Well, open question. We'll see what happens there. But more broadly, yeah, I genuinely don't know other than I feel like I, 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 I yeah, I, I mentioned it earlier in the episode, but I feel like this year I have to make the decision of, stay in chicago and buy a condo or move somewhere else and by have to i mean it's entirely possible i end up not making that decision and just stay <laughs> renting um, but i am telling myself i have to make that decision because i should and i don't know i mean on the one hand the two are not that different because like okay either i stay in chicago with my friends in chicago and then continue to skype all my friends in la or i move to la and then Skype all my friends in Chicago. And like, yeah. there's, they're, on the one hand, it's, they're super similar. So, and the fact that they're so similar and there's pros and cons to both is what makes it really hard to decide. On the other hand, they're obviously very different because one would be like, well, now I'm a homeowner and I'm really locked in for a couple of years. Yeah. Another would be, I'm in LA, but LA is a more expensive city. And so I, you know, need to figure that out. I would need to get a car, blah, blah, blah. It might be right. on fire. Um, so, um, oh God, that was another thing. It's like, the this feels bad to say but i'm like the fact that the west coast was on fire was a thing that gave me pause about like my dream of eventually moving back to the west coast that's about in compared to in compared to chicago where it's like you know in terms of natural disasters our natural disasters are different and a little bit better and are better suited for a the rapidly increasing like god this feels weird and gross and privileged to say but like the like Chicago might be better suited for a climate change future than yeah. the South or the West Coast. And <laughs> is that a thing that I want to consider? And especially uh, should I consider uh, it when I'm in my 20s and still could move around a ton? Maybe not. But is that the kind of thing where it's like, well, if I do move to LA, does that mean in, even if I lived there for 10 years, I'd have to move eventually because everything would get worse and worse versus Chicago. I might be able to stay for forever and beat the rush. And I don't know. It's a whole lot of anxiety that I try to not think too much about because it is part of why I am paralyzed and never make decisions. I, I, I think you are far financially stable to, to not be super affected by your decision to move to LA. If it yes. were to in like 10 years, I don't know what the timeline is on when, it would become unbearable and you'd have to leave, but a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It, it like the far future catastrophizing is just that it's me catastrophizing. Yeah. There is a little bit of element of like thinking through, would I want to deal with the stuff that is like, if I assume we're there's going to be as bad of a fire season next year as there is this year, do I want to live through that? That's yeah. a little bit more reasonable of a thing to like actually think True. about, but I don't know. Realistically, it's more just like one more anxiety that's making it hard for me to make a decision rather than an actual thing that is saying, no, don't do this thing. Uh, if you want, there's this cool website that I've been shown called Stick. It's with uh, two Ks on it. And you basically set a financial attachment to a certain goal that you have uh. to be a referee with. <laughs> and if you do not make that goal in time, then oh, it dang. donates it to 
I mean, you can donate to anything you want, but usually what people do is they donate it to like a anti uh, charity thing, right? Yeah, so yeah. Donating to like the NRA or something if you didn't make this decision in time. Ah, oh, see, but the downside of that is that now you're putting the, that's a potential to put consequences on my decision, which means that, that exactly. if I don't make a decision, a bad thing happens. <laughs> Whereas exactly. I could just not make a decision and everything's fine, other than my own self loathing. Yeah. So exactly, you'd be doing it for someone else then, and that's what you need, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a look see at that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that that, that that's the thing other than the abject terror over what the fuck's going to happen with this election. The other thing that is giving me like concern is that thought around like, ah, oh, what the fuck do I want to do next year? And yeah. I don't and, and how does that shape up? And I don't know. I don't know. It's that weird it's that downside of like there's no clear bad decisions, but that also means there's no clear right decisions. And I don't know. I don't know. So who knows what the future will hold other than we'll be in quarantine for at least the next six months, probably. And the election will be a clusterfuck, but hopefully a clusterfuck that is with an okay-ish eventual solution as opposed to a clusterfuck that results in the uh, destruction of the United States. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. It'll be great. It'll be great. It'll be great. Are we good? Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I think that's good. Okay. If you are similarly panicked about the upcoming election, well, the real answer, donate, volunteer, blah, 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 whatever, uh, register to vote, et cetera. Do your part. What Six of you listen, and if any of the six of you listen to us and aren't doing any of those things, then like literally what the fuck are you doing? But if once you've done all of that and you want to soothe your anxiety over the state of the world by listening to more podcasts, you can do so with the Adub Club wherever podcasts are found, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also find us at our website. That's the adub.club. That's T-H-E-A-D-U-B dot C-L-U-B. I got the domain renewal email and came through this week, so... Yay. Hopefully that still exists by the time I post this episode. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at the AW Club. That's T-H-E-A-W-C-L-U-B. Um, and you can also email us at the AW Club at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-A-W-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. And please email us. That would be fun to make fun of you on the air. I believe that's everything. AW Club out. Club What else has happened in quarantine? Oh, it's weird that I keep forgetting this happened. A new Taylor Swift album came out, surprise album, which like should be the most yeah. mo- monumental thing in my life, quarantine or otherwise. Um, <laughs> and it's very good. I like it a lot. I haven't listened to it much since the first three weeks or so after it came out. For yeah. Obviously a stylistic departure for Taylor Swift, though, you know, a lot of her old songwriting tricks at play. But, but yeah, I definitely, I don't buy this as her best album. That's my stick in the in the ground. My controversial opinion is that, nah, give me a fucking pop song. I need, I need, <laughs> I, I. The album is good. It's one of her best. It's definitely top tier. It's not the best. Come on, what? It's too much people leaning into the whole like, oh, it's all about sweaters and there's acoustic guitars. That means it's great, right? And it's like, no, oh, no, 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 come on, come on. Come I on. have not listened to it, so I'm not sure. I, ugh. I mean, it's I mean, good. It's good. I, I like it. I, 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 but. If you love pop Taylor Swift, this is not a pop album. And therefore, I think that that deserves, the pop stuff deserves credit, but whatever.